Hi, I'm Dana Stevens, Slate's movie critic, and I'm here with a spoiler special podcast on Tropic Thunder. Joining me is Tanner Colby. Hi, Tanner. Hi, Dana. A comedy writer and the recent author of uh, The Chris Farley Show, a biography of Chris Farley, oral biography. So, we saw Tropic Thunder last night. Very funny movie. Hysterical. Funniest, funniest movie of the summer, I would say, without a doubt. I absolutely agree. I think this is the most successful comedy of the summer, granted in a summer that's been fairly weak on the comedy front, but even better than the one we talked about last week, Pineapple Express. Would you agree? Yes. Tighter. I mean, much more tightly constructed. Tighter, more high energy, more successfully realized in, 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 in all of its fronts. And, I mean, there, there are a few points where you feel like, okay, I'm watching a Formula Studio comedy every now and then, but then by the end you're just you're having such a good time. That you don't care. Well, it's not the most, I mean, I wouldn't say it's the most innovative of comedies I've ever seen. No. It's fairly standard in some ways, Hollywood satire, but just a very well done one. We should mention also, I don't think I have yet, that the movie is directed by, produced by, co-written by, and starring Ben Stiller, so it's very much a Ben Stiller production. Okay, let's, let's start off. This is something that we can spoil that will also launch us into a discussion of the movie really easily, which is the four fake trailers that you get up front yes. as the movie's about to screen with no warning that they're fake, of course. No, none whatsoever. And um, the first one is a parody of, which I don't think I've ever seen done before. I've seen fake trailers before, but I've never seen a movie that opened with a parody of those bad commercials that they run in the theaters before movies now. And this one, uh, one of the characters in the movie is a rapper named Al Pacino, which is Alpa. Chino uh, is is the rapper's name. Played and by Brandon Jackson. Played by Brandon Jackson. And uh, he's endorsing uh, two products. One is an energy drink called Booty Juice. And the <laughs> other one... Sweat, booty Sweat, man. Booty Sweat. It no, right. it's called Booty Sweat. Al Pacino's Booty Sweat. Al Pacino's <laughs> Booty Sweat is his energy drink. And he's also uh, got a, a protein bar called Bust the Nut. And so it's a really bad hip-hop girl shaking their asses in his face commercial for an energy drink and a protein bar that kicks off the movie and you see it and immediately you're like what the hell did I just see? What so did you're I still just laughing watch? from that and trying to figure out what its relationship is to the movie. I actually thought it might have just been a funny short that was created, you know, the way that Pixar movies will have little funny Pixar shorts before them. Right. But, but then, then you soon realize products, that there's those, that these are all character setups, right? right. So you're and still the, laughing well, the, at Al Pacino. Booty, and you the booty sweat and the busting up bars both come back as product placements within... The Tropic Thunder That's movie. right. Booty Sweat is all over the movie, right? Booty Everybody's is, drinking it right now. It's all left. over the movie. In Vietnam 30 years ago, which is, again, ridiculous. So the, so the second uh, trailer that we immediately segue into is for Scorcher 6 Global Meltdown, <laughs> uh, a sort of um, maybe sort of uh, Terminator-esque action yeah. picture starring well, Ben Stiller as the action hero. Right. And uh, that's, uh, like, like we said, the absurdity of Ben Stiller casting himself as a male model in Zoolander. Now he's cast himself as, you know a rugged Steven Seagal action hero. Named Tug Speedman. Named Tug Speedman, which is just brilliant. And, uh, you know, the trailer is just so over the top and the bad CGI and everything else. And um, I don't want to steal your point, but these trailers are great exposition. Yeah, basically the trailers do the job of establishing these four main actors who are going to be the characters in the movie. So mm-hmm. let's let's finish establishing them ourselves. So right after Scorcher 6 Global Meltdown, we move on to The Fatties Fart 2. That's Fart 2, not Part 2, which is apparently the second installment in a series of flatulence comedies starring the character Jeff Portnoy, who's played by Jack Black. Jack Black. And those are probably the best send-up I've seen of all of Eddie Murphy's really hack Norbit Nutty Professor 6, whatever, where he's playing like eight different characters and they're all just doing... Men, women, in fat suits, right, yeah. that whole thing. And, I mean, the, so the, the trailer is just uh, Jack Black 
in like five different kinds of fat suits as a biker, a sorority chick or whatever, just farting insanely <laughs> around a dinner table while Quiet Riot's Come On Feel the Noise is playing. And it is maybe the most successful fart joke in the history of cinema because they just go straight through the fart joke to the other side and, and take it to new levels. It's just brilliant. Yeah, it's a little bit John Waters-esque, actually, the look and feel of that trailer. And so then the last, and to me, I think maybe even the funniest trailer of all, is for a drama called Satan's Alley. (laughs) Do you want to summarize what happens in Satan's Alley? Well, Satan's Alley is uh, the film of uh, five-time Academy Award winner, uh, Kirk Lazarus. Kirk Lazarus, played by Robert Downey Jr. He's a blonde-haired, blue-eyed Australian, and he plays uh, a monk in the 14th century or whatever who feels illicit homosexual longings for his fellow Franciscan. And played by Tobey Maguire in a great Toby cameo. Played by in a great cameo. And so the two of them, uh, it's just that great sod de moi uh, techno song, I can't remember the name of it, that came out in the 90s. Uh, the, just the techno Gregorian chant thing going on while the two of them are fingering each other's rosary beads <laughs> in a suggestive way. And it's called Satan's Alley, which is um, a metaphor that is probably best left to the imagination. Those three trailers, and then, of course, the commercial from from the booty sweat, they launch you into the movie from the minute it starts. It just grabs you. I'm not sure the movie ever reaches those heights again, except possibly in the final credit sequence, which we'll get to. I mean, in a way, you know, the extreme uh, ends of this movie are some of the funniest parts. But there's a lot of funny stuff in between, which we should get to. So by the time we've gotten through these these trailers, we know who the four main characters are that we're going to find ourselves with suddenly in the jungles of Vietnam. Uh, We believe for the first maybe scene and a half or so that we're actually in Vietnam during the Vietnam War uh, as we see these guys, you know, in fatigues. But we soon realize that they're all actors in a, in a reproduction of a, of a huge uh, explosion yeah, scene. Huge budget, huge explosion scene. And they're all, all the actors are such prima donnas, especially Ben Stiller, that they can't get anything done. They waste like $4 million on this explosion on the shot because the director, who's this indie British guy, can't corral his actors. Played by Steve Coogan, Played we should by mention. Steve Coogan. So the basic uh, premise of the plot that launches us into this is Nick Nolte plays the real Viet- the allegedly real Vietnam vet, we find out he's not, but the Vietnam vet who wrote the memoir that the movie is based on. And uh, he takes Steve Coogan aside and says, you know, you want to break down these prima donna actors, you want to get real gritty performances out of them, you take them out in the shit and you leave them there and you, you film it guerrilla style and, and, you know, you make them live like the grunts in Vietnam and then you'll get the performances you want out of them. So um, after being chastised by... Uh, Tom Cruise's studio head for blowing this uh, $4 million action sequence. Coogan takes these guys out into the woods, drops them there, and uh, with the, the intent to you know put them through the boot camp ringer. And then in what is probably the biggest spoiler um, and the most unexpected moment, Coogan, who's supposed to, who knows what's going on and is supposed to lead these actors through the jungle. While filming them on secret cameras. While filming them on secret cameras. Turns around and in the first ten minutes of the movie steps on a landmine and explodes, and uh, which is so unbelievable development at that point that actually I, along with the the four actors in the jungle, didn't think it had really happened at first. I thought it was some kind of fakery or, or trick, and that he was going to pop up later in the movie, but he's really gone. No, he's he's really dead, and uh, so that was that was a brilliant turn to have that high profile an actor die that soon in the movie. Just. Uh, twists it and puts it on its head. So um, then there's a, that's actually it's a wonderful. I mean, it's 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 very cleverly put the characters enough into place that you can believe that each of them believes what they do henceforth because 
Ben Stiller's character actually refuses to believe that Coogan is dead. He thinks it's all part of a setup. CGI, because he does CGI action movies, so he's like, oh, this is some sort of an effect. And Downey Jr. at that point is brilliant. I think he's, just like he did in Iron Man, he just takes a, a formula movie and, and goes to... We haven't even mentioned the central gag of Downey Jr.'s character. The though. central gag of Downey Jr.'s character is that he's an Australian method actor who who you know lives his character during the whole filming, and he's undergone a radical procedure of skin pigmentation to become black so that he can play the black sergeant of the platoon. And uh, he lives and acts in blackface, whether the cameras are rolling or not, to great offense of the actual black person in the cast, the Al Pacino played by Brandon uh, Davis. And so, Brandon Jackson, sorry. And so, but the brilliant thing, and where Downey Jr.'s character goes to a whole other level, is right after Steve Coogan blows up, Stiller thinks it's a fake, but 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 Downey Jr. realizes that it's very real and this guy's dead and this isn't a movie, and yet he can't drop the character. And he still goes through the rest of the entire rest of the movie in blackface, even though they're and speaking not in this filming. in this faux kind of jive accent at all times. Yes. All right, just to wrap up our plot summary, just enough to sort of you know get these guys out into the jungle. We should also say that after the director dies, right, they find themselves stranded in the jungle, but they still sort of assume, even if he is dead, that the crew is going to come back and pick them up, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it soon comes to pass that they're being spied upon by these drug lords, these Vietnamese yeah. drug lords out in the jungle, right. who then proceed to mistake them for DEA agents and start waging actual war on them. So at this point, they are they think that they're in a fake movie, but they're actually in a real war. Yes, and they're called upon to use their acting to get themselves out of it. All right, so I think that's enough plot for now. We'll spoil what, what we need to as we as we go along. But let's let's get back to sort of our general our general praise for the movie. Why is it that this absurd setup works so well, and and what are some of the details that you liked about it? Uh, I think the performances of the actors really, I mean, they just commit whole hog just to a premise that is so ridiculous that they just pull it off. And I think the dialogue is is tightly written. The whole the retard scene. <laughs> maybe one of the most fully realized uh, scenes uh, I've seen in a while. Basically, Tug Speedman, after his Scorcher movies start to fail, he decides he's going to make his big Oscar bid. So he makes a movie called Simple Jack, uh, which is about a retarded boy with really bad teeth who lives on a farm. And uh, But is a simple and pure soul in the Hollywood tradition. And, yeah, but is a simple and pure soul. And and uh, Ben Stiller is you know complaining basically that he never got nominated for an Oscar for Simple Jack. And, um, as they're trekking through the jungle, right? As they're trekking through the jungle. And and Downey Jr., as Kirk Lazarus, who's won five Academy Awards, explained to him, he's like, you know, well, the, the reason you lost is because you went full retard. And goes through a dissection, and this is a part of why you were saying this makes such, this is such smart Hollywood satire. He goes through the entire history of retards and semi-retards who have won Academy Awards, Dustin Hoffman and Rain Man, and several others, and why some were successful and why... For instance, Sean Penn in I Am Sam, he went full retard. You never you, go full retard. You never go full retard. If you go full retard, you won't win the Academy Award. If the Academy <laughs> doesn't want full retard, you got to go half retard. you got to go autistic. And it's just, I'm not, you can't even do it justice, especially since Robert Downey Jr. is doing this whole conversation in blackface. And it's just absurd, but it's really, really smart. And his, the blackface joke, amazingly, never gets old. Yeah, this is what I wanted to ask you about. When I mean, we both agreed coming out of the movie, gee, that that the job that Robert Downey Jr. did, not just not just uh, his acting, but the writing of that part, was surprisingly complex. I mean, obviously, the kind of offensiveness of a white man playing a black man in blackface is 
is the surface of the joke, but it, it's actually amazing how long that joke holds up and how he continues to explore it for the for the whole movie. Well, I, I think what's great about it is that Downey Jr. has an awareness of what he's doing. He knows he's an actor performing a role, and yet he can't stop performing the role. And you so, mean Kirk Lazarus himself. Kirk Lazarus, that? yeah. Kirk Lazarus understands that he's uh, playing a role in blackface, and yet he doesn't understand how his instrument works. And so... Uh, even though he has the self-awareness to apologize to Al Pacino for pretending to be black, he can't stop being black. Right. He does it in a jive accent, right? Yes. Yeah. He apologizes for using a jive accent in a jive accent. There's a fantastic scene between the two of them where Al Pacino sort of, um, you know, confronts them and basically says, there's one good role in this movie for a black man and a white man got it. You know, what have you got to say about that? And, and Downey Jr., Kirk Lazarus gives him this gives him this hug and there's this sort of inspirational, you know, Amistad-type music on the soundtrack and he starts this speech for over 400 years <laughs> and proceeds to give him this speech about slavery that sort of bizarrely culminates in a quote from the Jefferson's theme song. Trying to get up that brilliant. hill. Yeah, and it's, it, yeah. And what's, what's brilliant about that is because even though he's a, a, a white actor living the whole black experience, the extent of his knowledge about the black experience is the theme song from the Jeffersons, like most white people. You know, if we were to try and tap into the American black experience, what would our reference be? Well, some images of Martin Luther King Jr. and the theme song from the Jeffersons. That's about all we know. Well, and that's why I think that, you know, these protests that you hear about that, you know, people are upset that there's a, a blackface part in this movie and that there's also, you know, a, a lot of retard jokes about a developmentally, developmentally disabled farmhand. I mean, I think that once people start seeing the movie, a lot of the protests are going to have to die down except from some pretty dumb protesters because it's really obvious that the movie has a lot of smart stuff to say about race, race relations and about, you know, Hollywood's cult of the uplifting retard. Yeah, I mean, they're doing it to make fun of it which is, you know, of course, the ultimate self-defense of the satirist. All right, and as long as we're talking about some of the performance details that make this movie so funny, we've got to mention an absolutely surprising, the biggest surprise in the movie's performance from Tom Cruise. I mean, we know that Downey Jr. is going to hit the ball out of the park, right? But you might be really surprised to see Tom Cruise, and in fact, if you didn't know who's in the movie, you might not recognize him for a scene or two. Yeah, the only the only thing that, that is, is really recognizable about him that he didn't change, he didn't change his voice that much. He He's still... Uh, Tom Cruise in that way, but he's he's got a bald cap on and he's fat and he's got a beard and he's got these and a prosthetic nose, I think. Well, I don't think he needs a prosthetic nose, but he's got these hirsute arms and the gold chain and he's this just sort of crass Jewish stereotype studio boss and um, I mean just a string of profanity coming out of his mouth and you know with all of his self righteous self importance that he's inflicted on the public on the Today Show and on Oprah's couch and everything else. I don't know if this is a deliberate career rehabilitation or him just wanting to have some fun, but it is exactly what his career needed right now because, I mean, he just has fun and he just is chewing the scenery with his character. And uh, the closing credits, well, since it's a spoiler special, we can go ahead and say it. The closing credits is just Tom Cruise's character getting up and just getting down and funky to this hip-hop rap song, and, I mean, just going crazy and, like, you know, spanking himself and, like, gyrating and hip-shaking. And the closing credits to the movie are so much fun that whatever misgivings you might have had along the way, like Jack Black's character we didn't think was necessarily that well-developed, but whatever was wrong with the movie along the way, by the end of the closing credits, you don't care because it's just 
so high energy and so much fun, and it's everything that a good summer movie should be. Uh, you had no idea that Cruz had it in him. And also, yeah. it's, kudos to Ben Stiller for pulling off such a huge, huge production without it feeling bloated and self-serving. It still sort of feels like a lot of friends having fun and being funny together. Yeah, it's it's like... It's got the camaraderie and uh, uh, fun feel of the Apatow movies without sort of the loose self-indulgence that they, those can sometimes fall into. Yeah, I feel like it's, it was way, way more sort of professional and, and successfully pulled off than those. And I, I think it's, it's definitely Ben Stiller's best movie that he's directed. I mean, that's a pretty small handful of movies at this point. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a better directed. I mean, Zoolander is just hilarious because it's so absurd. But this is, this is probably a better directed movie. So, um, yeah, so strong recommendation from both of us, obviously. Absolutely. And, uh, Tanner, thanks a lot for seeing the movie with me and, and coming in for this Slate spoiler special. You got it, Dana. For Slate.com, I'm Dana Stevens. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.